0: Or listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Well, good morning, Mission Ridge. Woo. We are going to get started. I'll... Logan, as as he was praying, he said that it's been a long season for us as a church community, so I'm really excited to celebrate with you guys tonight. I know we've had a couple family meetings, and those are always fun and exciting uh, to, one, plan, and two, execute, and three, be a part of. So, um, but you guys have been so great through all this transition, and I really just want to take time to celebrate both just the community that we have uh, for Christy and I to be part of this church and be part of this community, uh, especially after the last few years. Um, It's a real blessing to be here with you guys. So we're looking forward to barbecuing tonight and celebrating, and I'm sure we'll fire up a fire pit and have s'mores too, so... We got to do that if we're going to make it a barbecue, but we are in week two of Philippians and last week Logan kicked kicked us off, kicked this series off. And if you missed that sermon, it's foundational to understanding the whole book and we invite you to listen to our podcast online. Uh, you could get, there's some information in the bulletin how you could get there, but Catch up on that conversation from last week because it'll help you understand the whole series as we go through this. Now, Philippi was a small town, uh, it was a Greek town, it was the first European town that had converts to Christ. And there were Roman, retired Roman soldiers that populated that town that to make Um, this conversation today, significant. Now, if you were a retired Roman Christ-following soldier, retired Christ-following soldier, I wonder what the Messiah poem that Logan read to us last week, what would that poem mean to you? So I want to reread that. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So if you, again, if you were a retired cross, Christ-following soldier you might look back on your years of service and remember how your motto of move, follow, or get out of the way played out in your relationships. Having been a Christ follower, you might think about the missed opportunities to live like Christ. And you might reflect on how your methods of gaining success looked more like Rome's methods than Christ's methods. And you might determine that too often that you lived out Rome's gospel, a gospel of power, a gospel of dominance, a gospel of pushing aside the weak. Instead of Jesus's gospel, a gospel that invites people in, a gospel of humility, a gospel of sacrifice. Actually, that's my story When I retired in 2010, I wasn't a soldier. I was an airman. Uh, But I reflected on my career. And as I look back, I kind of mourned some of my actions of 20 years in the military. I was very good at my job. I moved up the ranks quickly. I was known for getting things done, but I was also known for my pride. In fact, I was on the fast track to making chief master sergeant and uh, I never made it. And I always knew that I didn't make chief because God needed to humble me. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. So I knew when I looked at my career in the guard that I needed to make some changes in whatever I did after I left the guard. And during Lent season last year, so not this year, but the year before, I read this Messiah poem over and over again. God wanted me to focus on humility. And and so I read this Messiah poem every day for 40 days. And guess what? I didn't like what I saw still eight years after my retirement. I wanted so badly to be like Jesus in my work, in my relationships, in my parenting, in my marriage. And I still saw way too many moments of pride and selfishness. So how do we change? Because reading that poem over and over and over again for 40 days didn't seem to do the trick for me. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've wanted to be more like Christ and you're like, I don't know how to get from here to there. Like Logan said, Christ raised the bar, lowered the bar. We're not sure. I mean, he humbled himself, so maybe it's lowering the bar. Christ lowered the bar in this case of what humility looks like. He went this far to humble himself and, and Rob only has to go this far. But somehow I can't seem to get to that same Level. How do we become humble like Christ? Well, let's find out. So starting in Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of me with grace both in my imprisonment and in their defense and confirmation of the gospel. Now, Paul starts his prayer by expressing joy through the partnership of the Philippians. And this is not a passing statement. Paul, over and over and over again, is going to reference joy throughout the whole letter. But in particular today, we're going to see joy and rejoicing being a big part of the conversation. But why is Paul full of joy? I mean, isn't he in prison? Isn't he in jail? I mean, isn't he chained up? This can't be what he planned for when he came to Rome, right? Well, happiness is based upon happenstance. If my circumstances happen to be good, I'm a happy guy, but if my circumstances are full of strife and challenges, envy, then I'm probably not happy. So is Paul Disneyland happy in in his circumstances here in prison? I don't think so. But joy, on the other hand, is an internal peace regardless of what's going on. In the world. And that's why I think Jesus from the cross could say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus always had peace, always had that internal peace. John Piper writes this Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. And this is why Paul has joy. In, the, in prison, he could see Christ continuing to work around him. And so Paul continues with this, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Now, first I want to say about Paul's prayer here. I want you to take a notice of what he says or how he prays in particular. Because we pray quite a bit in the Christian world, right? We pray for people to get jobs. We, We pray for health. We pray for welfare. Um, We pray for closing on houses. Thank you for praying. (laughs) Keep praying. We might need some more prayers. Um, These are all good things to be praying for. But Paul here is praying as a discipler. He's praying for his people that their love may abound more and more. The people that he's already invested in. he's, He's asking God for their love to abound more for their knowledge and discernment to grow, that they'd be pure and blameless, that they'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And church, I just invite you, if we're going to be people that are going to make disciples that make disciples, then this is something that we need to be praying for, because that doesn't happen on our own. We need God's spirit for these things to come true. So, I invite you to be praying this way for your church. Now, is this a prayer of a humble man or a prideful man? Like he's in prison, he could be thinking about a lot of different things. We have an answer here in the back. One <laughs> of the kids raised their hand. You want an answer? Um, Paul could be praying about a lot of different things, but he's praying for his people. He could be having a conversation about a lot of different things. His conversation continues to be about discipleship. And in care groups this week, we're going to look at a time when Paul and Silas are beaten and thrown into jail. And we're going to see that worship is Paul's response to hardship. Worship is, was Paul's response to hardship, and prayer is part of worship. I am convinced that honest worship, joy and humility are all connected. Honest worship, joy and community, or uh, humility, are all connected. And I say honest worship because is Paul denying the fact that he's in prison? Nope. He's being honest about it. He's being real about his circumstances. And yet he chooses to worship. Now, worship has always played a part in my Christian walk. Um, typically, you know, you starting out years ago, I would sing one of the songs that, that we sing Sunday mornings. I would sing that as I would, I would drive to work. It was just, worship has always been a part of my expression with God, but it's really taken on um, a different significance in my life in the last few years. And some of you know my story, but I'm going to share it today because I think it pertains to our conversation. And I think it pertains to how God wanted to bring about some, a deeper level of humility within my life. So I lost my dad in January of 2017, and immediately my eldest son started dealing with severe severe depression, and our daughter Joy started dealing with three different distinct medical issues that would take us into the summer of 2017 to figure out. And just as we kind of got through those three things, and that that meant a bunch of trips from Moscow to Spokane to see different specialists, and different ER visits, and different doctor visits over and over and over again. Three of our kids go to camp, and they actually go to camp with Logan and Paul, so I blame them. Not really. Um, They go to camp And Paul ends up taking our daughter, Jasmine, to the ER. Jasmine is experiencing extreme pain. And so they do some imaging and they find out that she has the the cause of her pain is a kidney stone. And they also, through that imaging, determined that that was the least of our problems. They found a cyst that wrapped around Jasmine's lower spine and it's putting pressure on her spinal cord. And it explained why she would have these random symptoms that we could not figure out for the year or two prior to that. And so as that cyst continued to grow, it would cause extreme pain and loss of function of her legs and loss of function of other vital elements of her lower extremities. And we were told at that time to immediately, immediately go find a neurosurgeon. Well, the nearest neurosurgeon that we could find was at Seattle Children's Hospital. And so we went to see them. And over the next 18 months, we'd have at least one major surgery every month. And this included several visits to the ER and several drives to... Seattle and Most of the surgeries were emergency surgeries. In other words, these were not planned We actually had some planned surgeries, too. That was kind of fun Um, and most of the time We were we were spending a lot of time in Seattle. So we were isolated from our community and then In about November of 2017, my mom's health turned for the worse. And we lost my mom in April of 2018. And a month later, we life flighted Jasmine to Seattle where she would stay for five weeks to heal from a bout of bacterial meningitis, along with several other surgeries. We were emotionally and physically exhausted We were isolated, and we were financially strained. And I told people during that time that there was no one event that was too hard. It was a sure number of events over and over and over again. Going to the ER, going to the ER, calling Seattle, calling Seattle, driving to Seattle, flying to Seattle, another surgery, another ER visit, another surgery, put my mom and my daughter into the you know, emit them into two separate hospitals on the same day. I did that twice. Over and over and over again, it was like a thousand, you know, pinpricks. No one event was too big. But the sure number of them just seemed to be caving in on us. we had so many challenging circumstances that we had two choices. One was to cave, or the other was to worship. And we decided to worship. And we had worshipped through tears, through frustration, through fear, through pain, through anger. We worshipped. Now, the Hebrew word for worship is sh- shachah. Say that with me, Shakah. If there's supposed to be some phlegm in there, I know I'm not giving enough. I don't think you're giving enough, but we'll forgive each other. It means to bow down, prostrate oneself, or to worship. And what I found is the process of bowing oneself before God over and over again Brings about two results: greater humility and greater joy. That process of bowing down, whether through prayer, or through singing the song, or reading the psalms, that process of bowing your heart over and over again brings either greater brings greater humility and greater joy, regardless of what's going on on the outside. Paul continues, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Sounds kind of joyful, doesn't it? So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. But some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Now this this section always kind of haunts me as as a pastor. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. I'm like, man, I tried that in the military. The envy and rivalry thing, I tried that there. I don't want to carry that into ministry. The... Selfish ambition within the church. And he sees that Christians are choosing to be his rivals. My friends, I hope that that's not the kind of people that we will choose to be. I don't have rivals, I only have Christ. I'm learning to humble myself let him deal. If someone wants to be my rival, that's their deal, not mine. Whether they're within the church or not, that's their their issue before the Lord, not my issue. Paul's response, he rejoices that the kingdom keeps moving forward. The gospel is being preached. This is what brings Paul joy. Paul remembers the humility of his Messiah. Church, we are not here to exalt ourselves. Christ is the one that we exalt. If we're going to be part of the gospel that the Messiah poem speaks of, then every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when he's celebrated... By whatever means, I will celebrate that. Paul continues, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That is my, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh... Is more necessary on your account. He's speaking as a discipler, convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul gives no account to his, his circumstances. It doesn't matter what was going on out here. He had peace. He had joy. His life had become so focused on staying connected, and connected to and worshiping Christ that the things most of us would worry about did not concern Paul. Like what are what are two, two of the biggest pressure points in our lives? Isn't it facing the fact that some of us are getting older, especially the Face app. <laughs> Man, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I want to see myself in 20 years. <laughs> like we worry about death and we worry about conflict. We worry about if 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 we're going to continue to live a healthy life and we worry about those who envy us or maybe we envy others because of what they have. Like these seem to be, seem to be pretty big pressure points in America, and Paul doesn't care. He learned how to worship the Lord through all of it. He says, if I live, it is for Christ. If I die, I go to be with Christ. Like, I'm hard-pressed. Which one do I, do I choose? And I picture Paul saying these things from his knees, The humility of Paul that Paul puts on display here shows that he has the right view of God, himself, and others. Paul has the right view of God, he has the right view of himself, and he has the right view of others. Worry and fretting come out of a place of false humility. Strife and envy come out of a heart that does not fully trust. God. We see other people as adversaries when we are focused on our own glory instead of God's glory. Humility is not about looking pious and I don't believe it has anything to do with viewing ourselves um, like we're low or less than. I think it has a right view of God, ourselves, and others. It starts with having the proper view of who God is. And it continues with having the proper view of who God created others to be and created me to be. When I see God, others, myself, in the light of who God is and, create us, and what he created us for together, that is Humility. If I see God as creator, designer, as loving, as faithful, as holy. If my view of God is aligned with reality. I think that impacts my humility. For instance, over, over our areas of struggle, um, over that, those three years, it, it was hard for me to wholeheartedly believe God is faithful. I really wrestled with just believing God was faithful. And of course, I would say that God is faithful like I'm a pastor. So I get paid to say that, right? I would say it. But what I really believed was coming out in my responses, my actions, my words, And at times I struggled with resentment because I didn't believe God was being faithful. Until, until I worshipped. And it was that act of worshipping, of bowing my heart before the Lord that brought my understanding of who God is back into alignment. My worship helped me to see God for who he really is. And I I still, like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I get a bent attitude. Anybody else struggle with that? I'm the only one. Sweet Jesus. (laughs) I get a bent attitude with my wife, with my kids. But you know what? It's really hard for me to keep that bent attitude when I get on my knees and I start praying. Somehow that act of bowing before God Brings about humility that only God can provide. But humility also requires me to see you and me as image bearers of God. Humility allows me to see we both have innate value from our Creator. And sometimes we don't live out that value very well. Sometimes we don't live out that image of God very well. And it's challenging to, to watch someone that we care about do that, or, or even someone we, we just met in the grocery store. But humility allows me to remember that God is their creator too. Humility says I don't have to push my way to the top at the expense of others. In fact, humility says, I'm better off with you by my side. I'm better off if we partner together. Each of us doing our part. This is what we see in Paul. Paul lived out humility as he joyfully worshiped God through each and every challenge. Always seeking to advance the gospel. So our implication this week. If humility is our destination, joy is the vehicle that will get us there. Humility has nothing to do with woe is me or look how low I am. True humility is known for its joy. In humility, I can look at other people's talents and instead of being envious that I'm not designed like them, I could celebrate what they bring and how their talents and their abilities impact me in a positive way. I think of Logan. I've always wanted to be a rock star. Uh, Only three problems with me being a rock star. I can't sing, I can't play, and I can't remember the words. So I could be frustrated that Logan can do two of those three things. I'll let you figure out which one he's missing. Um, like I, I can either be frustrated over his design, envious, or I can celebrate what he brings both to the church and to me personally as a friend. In humility, I can rejoice in my weaknesses because I get to experience greater connection. To you when you choose to minister to me in my weaknesses. And in humility, I can rejoice in God's provision. I can celebrate how He chooses to provide. Humility joyfully celebrates who God is and what He is doing around us, through us, and through others. So, how do we apply this to our lives? I'd invite you to cultivate joy through honest worship. Cultivate joy through honest worship. Create space in your world to worship. Create space, create time. Set up a a prayer closet. Have that favorite spot to sit down and and read your Bible. Find a worship album that you could sing to. And and don't just passively listen to it, but, but sing the words yourself. Like, own the words in your own heart. Create art. Write poetry. Celebrate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Take time to bow yourself before before your creator. Humble yourself before God. And he says he will exalt you. Let him give you perspective on every challenge you face. Put aside everything that distracts you from the gospel. We will move the gospel forward through humility if we cultivate joy through worship. I tried reading the same poem 40 times over and over and over again. I thought maybe that would make a change. But God had already started something by teaching me to worship him in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our challenges. And it changed my perspective, forever changing my perspective of who my God is. I can see him clearer now. I can see you clearer now. And I know that there's some that choose to be my rival. That's, that's on them. God bless them. I hope they do well. It's God's kingdom that they're working towards. Praise God. Let's worship together. And part of that is taking communion together each week. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy to remember the kind of God that we serve. He's a faithful God. The fact that Jesus Christ would leave heaven, and I'm not trying to say that's heaven, (laughs) but that Jesus Christ would humble himself, that he would become God with us. I love that. It's one of my favorite names for Jesus. God with us. Because I need that. I need him. Especially the last few years. So in a moment, we're going to invite you to come up and uh, grab the elements. If you are visiting with us, I want you to know that we have an open table. If you are here to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then you could partake with us. We'd ask that you take the elements and return back to your seat and then we will take them together. So please, come. We're going to celebrate who our Savior is. We know that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, which was a shameful way to die. Jesus died at the hands of the Romans and the Jews together, the religious and the irreligious. Paul says that this gospel is worth living for, if need be, dying for. And I would say it is worth living for. And so the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread like this and he broke it. He said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's, Let's take this together. And then Jesus took the cup after supper. He said, This is new covenant that I'm establishing in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.
1: I was also thinking we go fishing on Wednesday after service.